Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Why don't you stand up with me? And uh, those of you here for the first time, we do a Bible confession to get our minds ready. How many of you know before a football team goes onto the field, they have certain things they do in preparation for that game? And it gets their mind set on that game and focused. That's what our Bible confession does. So you can just go along with us. If you're uncomfortable with it, just stand there and listen. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Welcome all of you who are watching online today. Uh, We're beginning a new series entitled The Blessed Life. Um, You know, I, I would... If I ask the question, how many of us in this room and those watching online, if I ask how many of you want to be blessed today, I'm pretty sure most of us would raise our hands. Would we not? So the the real challenge is uh, finding out what it requires of us to live a blessed life. Living a blessed life is not something random. It's, It's not something that that God just kind of looks down and goes, I'm going to do that person and over here. Living a blessed life requires something of each one of us. And we have to make decisions that will open the door to us living that blessed life. In Isaiah, it says the anointing breaks the yoke. So what is the yoke in this case? The opposite of blessing. So if, if, for instance, you're not living a blessed life according to you, and it's, it's really according to you, it's not according to anyone else, if you're not living a blessed life, then you need to ask yourself the question, what's it going to take for me to live that blessed life? And so once you ask that question and you hope to hear the answer, then I believe God anoints whatever it is in your life to do what he's spoken to you to do that will break the yoke or the curse Off of your life. And let me just say this a part of the curse is for us to live a life of lack in any area of our lives. And so when you start talking about blessing, it's a broader thing than just finances or wealth or money. I mean, wealth is broader than that. It it includes having good health, having peace of mind, uh, having stable emotions. And the challenge is that. Literally, probably one of the top three most difficult things in this life to experience is the financial aspect of that. People who oftentimes find themselves uh, living a life of abundance uh, find themselves less stressed, uh, mentally less preoccupied. How are we going to pay the bills? What's going to happen next month? What's going to happen next week? How's this going to happen? And so as a pastor... Uh, it's imperative that we teach the whole counsel of God. And one of the parts of that whole counsel is how to live the blessed life. And so often when people talk about 
three things are the primary reasons for divorce. So this is one of the reasons I talk about them. Communication, sex, and money. Any counselor, premarital counselor, or marriage counselor will tell you those are the three big ones. If you can't communicate well with your spouse, there's a really good chance you're going to have a real difficult marriage. If, if you can't, if you're struggling financially and you're always arguing, it's going to be difficult or you don't talk at all. And then the sex aspect. So when we bring up these big three, sometimes they seem taboo. But this one is very close to my heart because since I got born again, I decided I wanted to live the blessed, abundant life. And whatever God anoints, he breaks the yoke, the curse, the, the poverty, whatever it might be. And so I would ask you today to listen very carefully uh, to what I have to say because I think it's very, very critical to you as a person, to you as a family, to us as a church family, that we are people that honor the Word of God. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'll be using quite a few Bible verses today because I don't want to just speak. Hey, Brian, would you come and take this? This is... uh, Get me one that's not leaking hydraulically, whatever that is. I'm like going down. It's like not not a joy. Um, So anyway, Deuteronomy 28.1. I don't know how many of you have read this. It's a very popular passage of scripture uh, in full gospel churches. And it says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today... The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. So he's talking about his people. In this case, it would be Israel. In in today's world, that would mean the church, his people. And he said, all these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. All of the ones I'm about to read will come upon you. Now, here, here comes the challenge. You and I must obey the Lord. We can't just say, God, I'm praying that you bless my family. And God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. And you say, God, I pray that you bless my family. It'd be like buying a piece of land. There's an apple tree in the back part of the land. And it's producing apples, but, you know, you want to start selling apples and making applesauce and apple pies and selling them. And, and so you go out every year and you say, man, this apple tree is just not producing enough apples. And you go, apple tree, produce apples. Next year, same thing. But if you could figure out that if you want more apples, you put more apple seeds in the ground, you grow more apple trees, and you're not yelling at one tree. You've sown, and the more you sow, the more you reap. Whatever you sow, you reap, the Bible says. And so here are the blessings. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. That means you can be urban or redneck. The fruit of your womb womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land, and the young of your livestock, and the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. Now, in this day, it basically back then is saying your bank accounts, your investments, your stocks, your bonds, all those things. Because today we have currency. Back then, this was their savings account. You've got a a field full of cattle. You've got sheep. You've got, these were the investments and, and they had to care for them, for them to grow and they had to manage them. 
And he says, so if you'll obey, these are the things that will happen. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. I don't know about you, but that sounds really good to me. I'm not just talking about my basket and trough being full, but I'm thinking when your enemy attacks you, that God says, don't worry about it. They're coming at you from one direction, but I'm going to scatter them out fleeing in seven. This has been a part of my confession for many years. I have these Bible verses in a notebook, and it's my prayer list of things. They're my, thank you, Brian, they're my declarations. And I make those declarations because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The words that you speak water your soul. So, I don't know how many of you want weeds to grow or you want grass to grow. But the reality is that our words have power. And so, the reason we do the Bible confession is a declaration of that I want to hear with my mind and I want to have an open heart. I want to hear what's being said. You see, I grew up in a very poor home or lower middle class. I say very poor. When I look back on it, I didn't know we were poor. Any of you grow up like that? I didn't know we didn't have anything because I just looked around my neighborhood and we were all kind of the same. And we didn't get out of our neighborhood. So when you don't get out of your neighborhood and everybody looks the same, I go back now and look at houses where I grew up. And I thought, how in the world did a family of five grow up in that home? In Jesse's case, how did 20 people? 17 people. True story. And you just ask yourself that question because we get our minds wrapped around where we've been planted and where we're growing up. And oftentimes we settle for how we were brought up. And the reason is, is we're convinced that if we deviate from how we were brought up and deviate from what we were taught back then, that we're being disrespectful to our parents, those around us, when in reality, we should always have an open mind and open heart to see beyond our life experience. So I had no reference to prosperity. I had no frame of reference to wealth, none whatsoever. Nobody had any money. We didn't know it was possible. And not only when I say had any money, we just lived very, very meagerly. And I was taught that that's the way it would always be. And I, when I finally got exposed to teaching, I argued with that teaching because I didn't have anything. And how many of you know, it's oftentimes in our carnal way of thinking, it's easier to debate that it's wrong than it is to try to make it right. And say, well, if I obey, what if that doesn't happen for me? So it's just easier to say, I don't believe in it. So when I got born again, somebody could talk to me about health or wealth. And I just said, I don't believe you. How stupid to not believe that God would want you to be healthy. How dumb to say God's not a healer anymore. That was back in those days. And I argued against it until I needed healed. And then I started listening to teaching about healing. And guess what? I like healing. I like health. And so whenever I, I would get sick or something, I just began to go, I believe my God is my healer. And it amazed me that when I started directing my faith toward what the Bible said, Bible things started happening. It's amazing. So if, if you're having struggles and you say, you know, I just grew up my whole life 
in lack. I don't believe in wealth. I don't believe in health. My prayer would be this, that today it would get in your mind that with God, all things are possible. And so I want to get this, and it says he will make your enemies flee in seven directions. So God says, I'm going to bring wealth to you. The blessing of the Lord adds wealth, and it says he brings no trouble with it. There's no trouble that comes with it. That's because we continue to obey God. That we consistently follow his mandates. He told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Because you're going to be a blessing. So when I talk about the blessed life, I'm not talking about a life that uh, just accumulates for the sake of impressing other people. I'm talking about a life that accumulates for the purpose of, 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 of blessing others, not just blessing me. And so in this church, for instance, we don't think about just every week paying our bills. We think about paying the bills of other missionaries around the world. If we get more blessed, we can be more a blessing. And so it's always been our heart not just to look and say, well, if, if, we, if, if we can just have more tithes and offerings... We can expand. We have an opportunity to expand right now, but we don't have the money to expand, so we're not expanding. We've been offered graciously by Incredible Pizza, and if you don't eat there, at least eat there some. Just They've been such a blessing to us. Just go support them. Go over there every now and then, get a salad, buy some, and just tell them thank you. They've offered us the garage, but we have to build it out. So we got the garage over here by the offices, and so we're getting blessed. Why? Because we want to be a blessing. To more people, more kids. It'll be a youth place. We can kick them out of here. <laughs> Distance ourselves from teenagers. I love you young people, but I can't keep up with you anymore. Now I know why God said don't have kids when you get old. Can't keep up with them. And so, <clears throat> Third John 2, many of you have heard this. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. A prosperous soul is a necessity to handle prosperity. So there are people that you will see prosper, but they won't enjoy their prosperity because their soul has not prospered. So in order for, as a believer, we need a prosperous soul to handle the prosperity of God. And that it doesn't just happen. Please hear this. Prospering does not just happen most of the time. Let me put it that way. There are people that it's unexplainable how they got blessed or how they prospered. I think sometimes it's just to confuse people. You know, it really is. I think the devil uses, I think he releases those things so that they come in contact with believers and these people live like the devil and you go, well, they live like the devil and they got money. Yeah, well, check out their eternity. This is not just about what you have in your hand. It's about what you have in your heart. And so we're going to just spend time this month talking about the blessed life. How many of you would like to have some key principles to living a blessed life? Okay, majority of you. I'm sure others want to lift your hand if you don't feel the need to. I got it. So everybody wants to be blessed. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this. And you need to write these down. These will get in your heart. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He said, even if you sow a little bit, you're going to reap a little bit. And, and God will oftentimes push us out of our comfort zone 
to say, do a little more and see what I can do with just a little more. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided or purposed in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, there are two components to the blessed life. Let me, let me stop here. There's the tithe, which is the tenth. Now, please understand, this tenth is not optional. It's just not an optional thing in God's eyes. He said that we are to bring the first fruit or the tenth into the storehouse that there might be food in his house. And he said, you know, God prefaced Malachi chapter 3 with, you've robbed God. And they asked how you have robbed God. And they had withheld the tithes and offerings. And so God addressed it not as disobedience, but as robbing him. And that uh, some people take this very literally, very seriously. A friend of mine was a missionary many, many years. And he was a, he was a very, I mean, if you're going to be in missions, sometimes it's just, it's a little stronger message because you're in cultures that you got to break things. And he would, every time he would go to a country to preach... You know, there would be somebody there to pick him up. You know, the church would have a driver or the conference would have a driver and show up at the airport. His name would be on it. And they'd, they would say, oh, Mr. So-and-so, he said, uh, I, I'm, I'm here to pick you up and take you to your hotel. And I'll be your driver for the week, for the conference, for the weekend, whatever. And so every time he would uh, meet the driver, they, they, he'd let him pull his luggage out. And they'd put it and get ready to put it in the car. And, and he would always ask this one question. And oftentimes, you know, he'd be an intern or some young person in college. And, and uh, he'd look at him and say, let me ask you something, son. Because he was an older guy. He said, let me ask you something. He said, do you tithe? What a strange question, right? I'd be asking, can you drive? <laughs> but he'd ask, do you tithe? And one day, to his surprise, a young man was very honest with him. And he said, no, sir, I, I don't. He said, then... Take my luggage out of your car. If you'll rob from God, you'll rob from me. I thought, well, that's not very Christian. But it got that young man's attention. And he changed. You see, sometimes we don't see our acts of disobedience and their effects on our lives as a result of not obeying the word of God. Now, Please understand, I, I want everybody to be blessed. I'm not pronouncing anything on you today. I'm just telling you, if you don't like where you are today, what are you willing to do to get to where you want to be? You know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing, expecting different results. That's insanity. God bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, and yet God says, obey me, obey me, obey me, obey me. Who do you think wins this argument? He's been around thousands of years or forever. And you can argue with God all you want. You can debate the word of God all you want. But at the end of the day, it's our simple obedience to God's word that will begin to change the trajectory of our lives. I've only had one person in the 40 years I've been preaching because I started preaching when I was 10. I didn't say I was preaching the gospel. I was preaching to my mama. Let me go. Mama, change. I only had one person in all the years I've been preaching in 40 years that told me I tried it and it didn't work. I didn't even have a conversation. I thought, you know what? This, is not good. this conversation would be fruitless. And I'm not mad at all, but I'm just telling you. I've had one person in 40 years that told me it didn't work for me. And I know some preachers say, I've never met anybody, they said it didn't work for. 
Now, when I say that, I never ask, well, let me ask you a few questions. I just didn't because I thought if you want to ask me questions, I'll give you answers. But if, if not, I'm not going to delve into your personal life. But I am going to teach on this, and I, I want you guys to get it because this is very, very important. From the year 2006 to 2017, 12.8 million people in America declared bankruptcy. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of bankruptcy. Now, when I say that, if you've declared bankruptcy, because I have friends who have, and I know people who have, I, this is no condemnation at all. I'm just saying you wonder, uh, you know, in a country where every day we add to our national debt, I mean, we're over $17 trillion, maybe over $18 trillion now, I don't know, in our country. And, and it, our own, our leadership of our nation cannot manage money. Now, I'm not saying it's easy all the time. Uh, one time when I was building the first church I was at, uh, I, we were growing so fast that I could hardly keep up. And, and I didn't really know how to hire because I had never done this before. And, and so one day I was praying about it, and, and God spoke to me, and I, I was hiring after growth. And so we were never keeping up. We just we couldn't keep up. And God said, Hire for growth, not because of growth. I said, but God, I don't have the money. He said, you need to have faith for it. And I'll provide it, and you'll be ahead of the curve. So I started hiring for growth instead of hiring because of growth. And so what God was saying is, Mark, everything you do will require faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please me. Everything we do that exercises faith brings pleasure to God. So that includes giving. 10% of our income, as we give it, it will require faith. And we'll be having testimonies this month. And Mike, I want your testimony. Great testimony. I, I've been meaning to call uh, Christian Candace. I want your testimony. I, I've talked to people that, that have told me stories that made my head swim. Going, God didn't even do that for me. I'm glad he did it for you, but God's always blessed me. And anytime I felt like uh, things were getting strained, I, I didn't withhold. I said, I'm going to give more because I wanted to plant more and experience more of a harvest. And I was reading this story uh, from Jerry and Muriel. They don't go here, another couple. It says, after successfully establishing a restaurant chain, two banks, a ranch, farm, in real estate ventures, Jerry and his wife, Muriel, says when, when they started to really have fun, it says at age 59, he said, I was headed into retirement looking for a nice lake home. I had to really think about reading this to you. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, Jerry, me too. <laughs> then God changed our plans and led Muriel and me to put our money and time overseas. It's been exciting. Before we gave... Before, we gave token amounts. Now we put substantial money into missions. Our hearts are in another country now. We visit and minister there often. What changed their lives? It was realizing, now listen to this, it was realizing God's ownership that got through to us. Once we understood we were giving away God's money to God's work, we had a peace and a joy we never had back when we thought it was our money. After seeing the, the way poor Christians in other countries trust him, we've asked God if he wants us to give away all of our money. He hasn't led us to do that yet. 
Thank God. But we've meant it when we ask. Jerry says, a non-Christian couple saw us giving and saw how much it excited and changed us. Then they started giving too, even before knowing Christ. They saw the joy and they wanted it as well. What's the Bible say? God loves a cheerful giver. We ought to smile when we give. We ought to look for opportunities to give. We ought to look forward to, I used to, I was going to say Sundays when we can bring our tithe in, but now you can do it from home. I used to just do it from my office at home. I just text it in. We've made it easy. God's made it easy. Uh, it really is when we realize it's his money. My dear friend Joel said, when you focus on being a blessing, God makes sure that you're always blessed in abundance. The focus is not just on us living the blessed life, as I said earlier, but the focus is how can I be a blessing to others? What can I do to help other people? What can I do not just to pay my electric bill, but somebody else's? Our heart expands. That's what God sees in us. He says, what can I do to be a blessing to you? We have 66 books. There's more talk about money in here than there is faith or healing. God says, I want you to understand. You, you cannot give what you don't have. You can't give joy if you don't have joy. You can't give love if you don't have love. That's how can we said love your neighbors, you love yourself. If you don't possess love towards you, you won't be able to love others. And so God wants to bless us abundantly, but we must walk in obedience to him and we must walk in faith. One guy says, we know what we are, but know not what we may be. We never know what we can be or what we can experience until we obey the Lord. We never know what God can do until we do what God tells us to do. We won't experience God through somebody else. We will see God work through somebody else, but we can only experience God through what we do and what he does in us. That's how come we don't call this a church service. We call it a worship experience. Our prayer is that every day, every Sunday, that we would have an experience with God. A, a spiritual experience, an emotional, mental, relational experience. That we would experience God in, in being a part of what God is doing at Mosaic Church. And so I'm going to finish this by going back and reading Malachi chapter 3 to you. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you the six things real quickly. It's real quick that happens when you begin to tithe. Again, a tithe is a tenth. And, and for years, and I usually only teach on giving about once a year. And every time, it's the biggest fight. But it's not as big as it used to be because I realize now that as a pastor, if I don't teach on this, I'm actually robbing you of knowledge that can change your life. And so please get this, Malachi 3.10, out of the Living Bible, and 11, bring all the tithes, that's the 10th, into the storehouse so that there will be food enough in my temple. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. Your crops will be large, for I will guard them from insects and plagues. Your grapes won't shrivel before they ripen, says the Lord Almighty. So there are six purposes in one passage. Number one, so that there might be food in my temple. 
Now, in this case, it's spiritual food. Secondly, so that I can open the windows of heaven over your life. God says, I, I've got a window. And as you bring the tenth, I begin to raise the window so that I can pour out a blessing. Number three, so that I can pour out a blessing. Number four, he says, so that I can prove it to you. God says, I want to prove to you. Some of you have heard my story. I tell it regularly because I want to keep reminded of this. That when God began to bless me, outside of what I thought he would bless me with, uh, he began to speak to me to give away cars. So I began to give away cars. And they were good cars. They weren't, they weren't bad cars. They were perfect, great, incredible, wonderful, phenomenal, beautiful cars and God would tell me who to give them to I gave one to somebody I didn't even like because God said to he said that that person needs a car I said God I don't like them he said but I do <laughs> that just sounded like something God would do wouldn't it and I said okay God I'll do it it was the first one I gave away and when I gave it I became so happy I thought, that's a great thrill of my life. Actually, I, I kind of got an addiction to giving them away. I did. I started looking around. And, and all that to say this, that it will bring more joy to your life. You, you, you won't even think about the return of the gift or the amount because you'll be so full of joy. I'm telling you, some of you have yet to experience the joy of the Lord, not because you don't love God. And please hear me. God's love is not connected to your giving. God loves you just like you are. God is love. So please don't misunderstand and think, well, if, if, if I give, God will love me more. He can't love you more than he already does. God loves you right now just like you are. In your grossest disobedience, God loves you. So please never connect this to your eternal home. Never connect it to God's love or lack of love that you might feel. God loves you. But here's what I want you to connect it to. On earth, there are things that we need to exist, to live. And that God wants us to be provided with those things. And he wants to be the one who provides them. And he will literally surprise you by using others to bless you that you had no idea who they were. Happened to me when I was running across America. I, 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 was, I was barely getting by. I had a family. And a, a man from a large oil company in Tulsa heard about me running across America. And I, I didn't have any money to buy clothes. This was, this was like 1990, just getting by, doing okay, not doing great, didn't own a home, just, just getting by. And this man found out, and he would bring me clothes that were the highest level. He was an executive at an oil company. Man, I look so good. And God knew I liked clothes, too. I like clothes and cars. Okay, Jesus, we're going to start a recovery group. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I didn't know who he was, but God did. And God told him, my desire, not just my need. 
the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what I think he meant? Not only do, will God meet my needs, but he cares about the desires of my heart. And I've just never questioned that if God said give, give. Tithe is the first thing before I ever get here. I want us as a church to be blessed. I want you as a family to be blessed. I want you as an individual to be blessed. I'd love to tell you that if you just come to church every Sunday, you'd experience all the blessing of God. But the reality is that we need to wake up every day and be obedient to God. Every day, we need to try our best to do what we know to do. And you say, well, I forgot. I'll do it next week. I forgot again. I'll do it next week. See how that works with your mortgage company. We are more attentive to cancellation notices, overdue notices, than we are to the God who gave us his only son. I suggest today that we get our focus right. The George Barna Group, who's a research company out of California, researched churches across the nation. And they began to research the number of people who call themselves Christ followers and asked the question, took years, about do you tithe? The end of the survey, they were shocked to find, and this is a rather old survey, I don't know where it's at today, but it, it was a couple of decades ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's probably not changed much, but that would be an assumption. But what they found out of that original survey was that somewhere around 3% of people who are Christ followers tithe. 3%. 97% of people who say they put their faith in Jesus don't even tithe. It's amazing how we can trust God and believe that there's a heaven, but we can't trust him with a dollar. To me, it'd be a lot more difficult to trust my eternity than it would to trust my currency. But for some reason, there's a connection here to our flesh and that it's really hard when our livelihood is connected to Benjamin, Washington, Lincoln, Hamilton, My prayer would be this, is that we would break that statistic. And I'll tell you guys, I'm older now, and, and, and this is a whole lot easier for me because the reality is, um, you know, I, I look around, and, and I've lived so much of life, and I've been so fortunate to have lived on both sides of the spectrum, growing up relatively poor, and at the time, really, looking at it now, growing up poor. And then experiencing what I would call a measure of blessing. And, and I don't even know what measure that would be or how you compare it. I don't think you do. Uh, you know, you can look at people who have millions. You can look at people who just, you know, their, their life is filled with joy. And, and they, they obey the Lord. And to me, that's really the key point. Is I want to be, be happy and filled with joy every day. And the greatest way I can do that is not what's in my bank account, but what's in the account of my heart, knowing that at the end of the day, I can say I obeyed Jesus. And I did what he said to do. 
That's a greater joy for me because none of it belongs to me anyway. It all belongs to him. And as I read that testimony today by Jerry and Muriel, I was challenged again to go, God, do I get up every day and say everything I have is yours? And that's one of the things at, out of this series, out of the shoot that I'm going to do is get up there every day and say, God, everything I have is yours. So whatever you want to do, it's yours. That's all I would ask of any of us is to say, God, what do you want me to do? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending your son. Even you so loved the world that you gave. You're not only a lover of mankind, you're a giver to mankind. So, Lord, today we've opened our hearts to Bible truth. Very simple. I wouldn't even say today very inspirational, but very simple and informational. And uh, my prayer would be that you would break the yoke of fear, poverty, doubt, unbelief, off of the hearts and minds of all who are listening online and all who are listening in the house today. God, it's, it's just a principle. And when you ask Will you rob God in Malachi chapter 3? And they ask how. And you told them in tithes and offerings. God, may we not be robbers. May we be givers in Jesus' name. Now, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Because the most important thing in your life is your eternal dwelling. Your eternal dwelling. Where will you go after this life is over? The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I would above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Soul prosperity begins by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And those of you watching online, I want you to pray this with me. And let's all pray this together. And please pray it like you mean it. Pray it like you're praying for your son or your daughter or your wife or your husband, your neighbor, your co-worker. Somebody who's not born again. Pray it with a passion. Like you're praying it, that they would pray with you. Because at the end of the day, folks, eternity's a long time. And we don't want anybody to go to hell. Pray this with me today. Say, Father God, I realize today that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And God, you so love this world that you sent a Savior, your only Son. So Jesus, today... I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I call on your name. I put my faith in you. I declare today, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I'm forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Amen.